What's up, everybody? All right, Darren's here. Everybody else is gone. Years and years ago, huh, Matt? Um, I am old. I'm really sore because I played in a football tournament, and I feel my age. Um, like Matt said, my name's Kyle Rice. Um, I used to work here. I used to stand on this stage. Actually, I built this stage. Um, I'm older than this stage, so um, that kind of gives you an idea. And I'm here because Matt is lazy. Um, he got called to the mound on Sunday, and so it's kind of hard to prepare two sermons. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of um, spiritual investment in digging into the Word, seeing what God has for you, what God wants you to speak on. And, and so I'm up here um, because Matt asked me to speak. And so, so here I am, and I was preparing the talk, and, and I talked to Matt a little bit about it. I said, well, what do you want me to speak on? Is there something that you've been talking about at AFC? And not really. Um, but he wanted me to, to kind of speak on what it meant to be a Christian. What it, not, not necessarily what it meant to be a Christian, but what it looks like to be a Christian and not a Christian here because if we're honest with ourselves, it's easy to be a Christian here, but to be a Christian across the street. And so I started preparing and then at 11 o'clock last night, uh, the spirit kind of moved in a different direction and so, um, so I went a completely different direction. So if you guys would pray with me, we'll get started. Uh, Great King, Father, we, we love you. Father, I ask that you would be with me today. Father, I pray that you would um, remove me from your stage. Father, I pray that you would use me as a puppet. Father, I pray um, that your words would come through my mouth. Father, I pray for the young men and women that are here. Father, I thank you for them. Father, I pray that you open their ears and open their minds and open their hearts to your word. Father, I ask that you join us. I ask that you give us a glimpse of who you are tonight. Something that we can use, Father, something that we can see. Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for your beautiful son and the gift that he is. Amen. All right, if you guys have your Bibles or everybody has an iPhone and probably has the, the Bible app, go to Luke 10. Luke 10, that's where we're going to be. We're going to be there all night. And there will be no slides because I'm lazy. Um, Luke 10, starting in verse 38, it says this. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Um, I love Martha. I get Martha, I get that there is work to be done, I get the weight of things that need to happen, um, and good things, not bad things, okay? Martha is serving the creator of the universe, and that, that, that's definitely not a bad thing, and so I get Martha. Um, 
a little bit of history on, on me. I'm married to a beautiful wife named Tara, and I have three children. Um, so, so this resonates with me. I get that there's stuff to be done. I wake up in the morning, I go to work, I come home, and I have a family that needs my time. So I get this. I get that there's stuff to be done. And if, if we're, we're honest, as Americans, as a culture, we get this because it's the motto of our culture, right? Like when you ask somebody, hey, how are you doing? Most of the time their answer is busy. Okay, it, it's almost like a badge that we wear of who can be the busiest, who can have the most homework in your guys' case. Who's the busiest? And so I know you're not in school, but we're going to go for a, a, a history lesson here real quick to kind of make this resonate with us today. So from 1980 to 1999, um, the average annual income in the United States went from 16000 to $22,000. Okay? And so that's a, a 35% increase, and it's the most in U.S. history. Okay, and at the same time, in that time period, you had um, an outrageous growth of discount stores like Walmart and Target, which drove the price of living down. Okay? And so you have more money, but you don't need more money because your cost of living has gone down. And so you have what we like to call a disposable income. Okay, and if you don't know what that means, that is when you have more money than you need to spend. Okay, you make more money than it costs to eat, you make more money than it costs to pay the electric bill, you make more money than it costs to pay your mortgage. That's a disposable income. And so many Americans had what they never had before, a disposable income. Okay, and then really, really, really smart people came along, entrepreneurs came along, and, and they, they took a really base item and they tweaked it just a little bit. And, and we fell hook, line, and, and sinker for it. Let me give you an example. Um, you'd have to be out of your mind to pay $23 for liquid hand soap. But it's perfectly realistic to pay $23 for vanilla bean hand sanitizer. Right? And so we took that base item and we tweaked it and we fell hook, line, and sinker. Let me give you another one. Um, you'd have to be crazy to spend $4.50 on six ounces of coffee mixed with six ounces of milk. But it's perfectly okay to pay for a grande cafe misto. Right? And so what wasn't once necessary has become necessary to us. Um, and, and, and so we no longer is it okay to have clean hands, but we have to have clean hands that smell like fruit. And so things that used to be necessary or didn't used to be necessary are now necessary. And I'm not trying to belittle this if you have vanilla bean hand sanitizer or if you went to Starbucks before you came. Um, I enjoy Starbucks as much as the next person. I'm just trying to point out that that's where we are. Um, and I'm not trying to attack hard work either, that you work to earn those things because... Um, 
I think hard work is good, and I wish that more people would struggled with hard work than laziness. I would much rather someone be checked for their hard work than for their laziness. Keep going in the passage. We're in verse 41 now. It says, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but... But, and we need to, we need to stop here. Um, I, I commend hard work. I really do. My father was a hard worker. He taught me, and I try and do that with my um, children. If you come over to my house when I mow the lawn, I don't mow the lawn by myself. I make my son stand and push the lawnmower with me because I want to teach him hard work. So I get that, and I commend that. But but is that all? Like, is that what mortal man was created for? And, and I know everyone in here is in pursuit of something, a pursuit of a career. You wouldn't be in college if you, if you weren't. Um, and I know college is a great time to just fill time, but at, at the end of the day, you're here for a reason. And I just want to interject the quiet butt into the middle of your world like, can we, with all the trinkets, with all the toys, with all that life has brought us, look at ourselves in the mirror and honestly feel like we're fulfilling what we've been created for? Or does it feel like we're still grasping oil? Is it elusive to us? Can we be honest with ourselves for a second and agree that things are temporary? Those things that you work for, they're temporary. Your career will no longer be your career one day. Your house will end up on the ground one day. Your car will end up in the junkyard one day. I promise. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary, and... And look, I get that life happens. I get that time, there are demands on your, your time. Like sometimes I feel spread thin. Okay, and I, and I was where you are at one point. Um, and, and let me tell you, I promise it gets worse <laughs> as far as your time goes. Okay, so if you feel spread thin now and you feel um, just worn out now, just wait. I promise it gets worse, um, but there's one necessary thing, and, and necessity is different than want, right? There are many things in, 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 that, that we want, like we want the TV, and we want the nice house, and we want those things, but, but need is different than want, and we're really good at justifying things and, and trying to take want to need, but please hear me that these things... Some of these things aren't bad. It's not bad to want a wife one day. It's not bad to want a husband one day. It's not bad to want a nice house. It's not bad to want a nice car. But there's one necessary thing. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So we have this situation where... We're, Martha invites 
Jesus to the house and she's serving him. She's cooking dinner. She's uh, washing dishes. She's doing all these things. And Mary, her sister, is sitting on the floor listening to Jesus. And Martha goes, are you kidding me? Get up. Help. Wash a dish. And I get that. And I, and I think that a lot of us do too, but Jesus turns to Martha and she goes, Mary's chosen the good portion, and I'm not going to take that from her. There's one thing that the soul needs. There's one thing that it must have. There's one thing that you cannot live without. And Mary has it, and I will not, will not take it from her. Um... When I was in college, when I was your guys' age, uh, I went to a camp called Kids Across America, and it's really uh, the place that showed me what it meant to be a Christian. It showed me what it meant to walk out what God has called me to walk out. It gave me a passion for, um, really for college men, because it's where it hit home with me. Um, and calling college men to walk out what God has called them to, but it's Kids Across America, and it's a Christian sports camp, and um, it's for the inner city kids, and inner city kids would come from all over um, the nation, from just broken places, um, and they would come, and you would teach them sports, and use the sports as a platform to teach them Christ. And they would come for eight days, and and, and some were um, worse off than others, but there was always... stories that broke your heart, and, and um, at the end of each session, we would, we, would have, we would sit as a cabin, and you'd have about 12 campers in your cabin, and you'd sit down, and we'd have a, a, a Devo time, and the last Devo was always called Say So, okay, and it was a chance for the campers to say what they learned, say what they were going to go out into the real world, and then practice, Okay, and, and time and time again, every, I mean, it, it never failed. This is what you heard. When I go home, I'm not going to do this sin. When I go home, I'm not going to struggle with lust. When I go home, I'm not going to doubt. When I go home, I'm not going to struggle with faith. And time and time again, that's what happened. Okay. And last week you guys came up and you guys nailed stuff to the cross. And I think it was pretty similar. And you nailed it and you, you wrote it down and you went up and you nailed it and you said, I'm not going to do this again. And I'm just going to take a wild guess that probably about 90% of you have probably done something that's nailed to that cross in just a week. And so these kids would go, I'm not going to do this sin anymore. And I would just kind of close my eyes and, and sigh because they missed it. They missed it. What, what, what happens when you try and take a sin and pull it out and, and wrestle with it and struggle it back into submission is the other sins that you aren't paying attention to then go wild. But if you remember the one necessary thing and you focus on it, then God created it in such a way that those things will then come into line. 
I think that we look at the paper more than what the paper's nailed to. And so we look at the paper and we see doubt and we see lust and we see fear, but we miss the cross. We miss the one necessary thing. And so when Matt said he wanted me to talk about um, Christianity in, in, real, in real <laughs> reality, you don't have enough time in a lifetime to do that. But if you can get one thing, if you can get the one necessary thing, it is the one thing that will always pull your life into line. So don't focus on the paper. Don't focus on what you wrote down. Focus on what it's nailed to. You focus on the cross. And I think that in our society, in our time today, too much life happens. And we let it happen. And, and, and hear me that I don't think a lot of the things that are stealing our focus are bad. Like, serving the God of the universe is not bad, but it's not the one necessary thing. We had a, a girl on leadership at the camp I went to. Her name was Sarah, and she said something. We had a, a counselor say so at the end of our term, and she said something that I'll never forget. She got up and she said, you know, in the midst of all of this, I love service. I love doing things for other people. She said, I fell in love with serving Jesus instead of falling in love with Jesus. And I think that that happens to us, especially within church. We fall in love with the busyness of religion, the busyness of all these things, but if you want to know what it looks like, what it um, is to walk out what God has called you to walk out over there, there's one thing that you need to focus on, and everything else will fall in line. It's not a to-do list, it's not a do this, don't do that. Focus on the one thing the one thing that the soul must have. And so don't look at the paper. Look at what it's nailed to. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for tonight, Father. I pray that, um, Father, I pray that your word would sink in, Father, that um, as life happens, as school happens, as relationships happen, as finals come and finals go, Father, I pray that in the busyness of our life, Father, that we can find time to sit at your feet. Father, that we can simply sit and bask in who you are, Father, that you, in focusing on you, will then turn our lives, turn our actions, turn our thoughts, turn our hearts towards you and the things of you. And Father, if we focus on you, there's one thing that can happen and that's that we look more like you. So Father, I pray that we can do that. I pray that we can make time to do that because as life happens, life gets busier. 
And there's always something that will take your spot if we let it. So Father, I pray that we can be like Mary, that we can sit at your feet and listen to you and gaze upon you and bask in your glory. Father, it's in your beautiful son's name that we pray. Amen.